Welcome to the audio podcast of the Edward Jones Chatting Cage, the show where you can talk face-to-face with your favorite MLB players and personalities. And welcome to another special edition of the Edward Jones Chatting Cage right here live on MLB.com. FanFest continues in full force out in Cincinnati. Right now we send it down to our very own JB as he is standing by with a former two-time All-Star pitcher. JB, take it away. Thank you so much. This is the Edward Jones Chatting Cage. I am JB again in Cincinnati at FanFest. Al Leiter. How you doing, JB? I'm good, Al. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. You, you know, normally... Normally, when we have to do these chatting cages, I don't get to hang out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm way, I'm watching screens. This is great. I like being around yeah, you guys. Yeah, this is good. <laughs> and how great is this? And last night's home run derby. Woo! Really, Todd Frazier, the clock. I love the idea. A little bit shorter. Was able to really get timing. Everything about it. I thought it was excellent. It did. See, I gotta say, you know, early results on the new format seem to be universally appreciated. Well, I, I think right. Aren't we in the in the day and age of just wanting wanting it to move? Any yeah. whatever we're doing, you want the action to move a little bit quicker. Yeah. So uh, I think last night it achieved that. I think the clock idea was cool. Yeah. The second round uh, with Frazier having to hurry up in the last, literally beat the <laughs> yeah. clock. I mean that that was cool. That was the drama was definitely intensified. I think, and that's what we all like. Yeah. That's what you want out of a derby. It's one yeah. event, one night. Yep. Yeah. Uh, this is the Edward Jones Chatting Cage. I'm JB. That's Al Leiter. If you have a question for Al Leiter, and you can hear my voice right here in FanFest, join us on the stage and ask the question. If you're online, get your webcam fired up. In the meantime, I will go to the Twitter questions we have. Uh, so I'm not being rude. I'm actually, you know, on the on the line doing things. Uh, this is from at JJ Hugh. Do you root for the AL or the NL in the All Star Game? Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's weird for me because I was drafted by the Yankees. I got to the big leagues. I debuted. Your debut and your first team, you're always, that's the most dear in your heart. Yeah. To this day, I, I spent 19 seasons in the big leagues, and my mom, and I, I, I experienced some World Series and threw a no-hitter and all that. She said her, her best time watching her son was my debut at Yankee Stadium. And, you know, so that's near and dear. Played in Toronto for seven years, went to the Marlins, won a World Series, played with the Mets for seven years. Truthfully, I know I sound like a politician right now, <laughs> but I, I kind of root for baseball. I have a yeah. son who's 15. He likes baseball players. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing. I, you know, I, I, I think rooting for a team I, here in Cincinnati, you see the passionate fan base. Yeah. Uh, so my answer is I don't root for neither. That's a, that's a fair answer. And and I, well and said. I, I, you know, I'm reluctant to say it because I I, I love the sport, but I'm I'm neither. Yeah, you know? and, and the experience of being on both sides of it—that's a true thing. That's yeah. not, it's not a made-up politician. Listen, I got honest. a chance to play with Paul Molitor, the manager now with the Twins. And once upon a time, when there was a a distinct line between American League and National yeah. League, and there was no joke. American League umpires had the AL hat, the NL hat. Right. There was a difference in the league. You didn't have interleague. You know, there was a difference back then. And right. then I can tell you, JB, growing up as a Mets fan, I I rooted for the National League. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there we go. No, yeah, but evolution. That, but that was a kid. Okay. <laughs> no, that's what I like that. That you grew up. Yeah. Tiffany has a live fan right here in front of us. Okay. Yes. What's your name and where are you from? Dan from Cincinnati, Ohio. And All what's right. your question for Al? Al, you talked about the passion of fans in Cincinnati. So this is a loaded question for you. 1999. <laughs> what are your memories from that one-game playoff? <laughs> uh, I remember that I was uh, I was getting heckled beyond belief. You know, the old Synergy Stadium or Riverfront, as I, I like to refer to it. The war- so in 1999, those of you who don't know, I, uh, it was a one-game playoff. We were, uh, we were sitting at the Diamond Club at Shea Stadium waiting to find out if the Reds won or lost in Milwaukee. And if they won, 
we ended up having to fly to Cincinnati for a one-game playoff. It was a listen. I, I had a chance to be in a few, a few World Series, and I did some pretty cool stuff. But that one game was one of my highlights. Uh, it was a raucous, raucous crowd. It was, I, yeah. And I ended up throwing a, a, a good game. Years later, that's in '99. In, in 05, Jack McKeon is my manager. I'm 40, and my career's done, or you know, winding out. And uh, I wasn't very good. And all Jack used to keep saying with his little cigar in his mouth, "Lighter, why can't you throw like you did against me in '99?" <laughs> he went, "I say, Jack, I don't know. I'm 40 now. I, trust me, I'm trying. That was six years ago. <laughs> it was a big moment. Um, and and I'll tell you what, honestly, that night, and I know it was a night game. It was an ESPN night game. That the crowd was unbelievable." Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Great. This, he's, he really just wanted that apology all these years later. Exactly right. That's like, that's, you're, you're like 150 today. That day. Hey, later. Thanks so much for the fans here at yeah, FanFest. We uh, are the Edward Jones Chatting Cage, which means fans can join us via webcam as we have a fan right now. What's your name? Where are you from? What's your question for Al? My name's Adeen. I'm from Stamford, Connecticut, and I was wondering... What was your reaction when you realized you'd be pitching game one in a Yankees-Mets World Series? Huge thrill. Uh, I, I started with, uh, with with the Yankees, didn't do much, got traded for Jesse Barfield in a, in a circuitous route. It's 12, 13 years later. I'm getting a chance to play with the Mets. And uh, game one, Andy Pettit, Yankee Stadium. I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, having uh, the, the in-league yeah. or in-season Subway Series was cool. Yeah. But this was another level. I, I think it was 47 years earlier. Something like that. When dude, the Brooklyn yeah. Dodgers and the Yankees played, I embraced it. I still think if we win game one, we win the World Series. That was a, that, a heck of a bat by Paulie O'Neill. And uh, we lost in extra innings. And ultimately, you know, game five. It just went the way it went. Big mo You know, even though we lost, and again, you, you know, it's all about winning, a, a team like the Mets in 2000, JB. Yeah. We were talented, but we weren't the most talented. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm intrigued by the next level, Uber uh, level of statistical analysis with sabermetrics that it's hard to quantify what teams like that that we had, team chemistry, yeah. guts, heart, what's going on in between your ears, not a statistic. I, and that team had it, JB, in 2000. Totally agree. Yeah. I watched it. I was in New York, watched it very closely, and I agree with you. There's there, there's an amazing depth of statistics now, but there's still a magic. There's still a thing you can't quantify and never can, it, just in life. You know, a, you know, a good scout knows the it. There you go. You know, and it's not on paper. It's not. It's not. We have another great great conversation. Uh, what's your uh, Tiffany. I don't want to do your job, <laughs> Tiffany. Apologize. Thank you. What's your name and where are you from? Uh, my name is Daniel, and I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, you've had a lot of accolades in your uh, career. You got to win the World Series. You've thrown a no-hitter. You've played in All-Star games. What's been your favorite out of everything? Was it, you know, actually pitching the no-hitter, or what was the biggest for you? All right, so I, I think not the no-hitter. The no-hitter was kind of weird. It was um, we, we blew out the Rockies that night. We won 11-0. It wasn't compelling to the very end, other than as to whether I would eventually strike out Eric Young for the no-hitter, which was awesome. I, it's, a, it's part of my history. But I would say getting the win in 1993 against the Phillies in relief of Game 1 of the World Series when I was with the Blue Jays, even though it was, I, I think it was an inning, but it was what I went through leading up to that. 
because I, I had I had two surgeries, one in 89, one in 91. I went back and got my college degree. I thought I was done. Got a Series 7. I thought I was going to become a broker. <laughs> and to have all of that, to work and ultimately get back and win a game in a World Series when I thought I was done, and even though it was a relief, you know, one inning, whatever, came in a relief of, I think, Dave Stewart or somebody, uh, that moment, standing on uh, home plate, doing some interviews at Skydome, now Rogers Center, was was really kind of a, yeah. Thank you. A uh, great okay. moment uh, shared by you, and thank you for that. And that leads us to the EDJ question of the day. I feel like now if you have your Series 7, we, we should talk about something else Edward Jones related, but I won't. It's the EDJ question of the day of your two All-Stars, uh, the moment that really you hold dear, like that's really close I'm, to your heart. I'm still mad at Derek Jeter. <laughs> I got Derek an MVP in 2000 in the World Series because he peppered me, and he got a game-winning hit, base hit, little up the middle in 2000. But my, my moment was this. In 1996, it was my first All-Star selection. Bobby Cox was the manager, and like today, Bochi and Ned Yost will go across the roster and say, you've got first inning, you got second, you're pitching third, you're not pitching. He'll, he'll set it up. I wasn't going to pitch that day. And I was fine with it. It was in Philadelphia. We win. Bobby Cox calls down in the ninth inning, gets Bobby Dews, his, uh, his longtime bench coach, or uh, uh, bullpen coach. Mark Willers is going to close it out, his closer. Yep. Bobby Dews gives me the phone and says, Bobby Cox wants to talk to you. I pick up the phone. He said, Al, oh, you want to pitch? I'm like, Bobby, that would be great. He goes, hurry up, warm up. I'll let Willers get two outs, and you get the last out. Totally cool. He didn't have to do it. I appreciated yeah. it. Uh, it was when it didn't count. Right. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I, I started rocket firing at the old veteran stadium. Sure enough, Willers gets the first two outs. I come in and get the last out. That's awesome. I'm telling you, it was only one out. But what the class of Bobby Cox yeah. of allowing me to play, I was like, awesome. Thank you. <laughs> And I thank him to this day. Every time that I saw him, I thanked him. Little, little things that make managers very special, those are the kinds of things. How far they're thinking about everybody they're coaching and dealing yep. with. Amazing stuff. Tiffany. Hi, what's your name and where are you from? Jason from Connorsville, Indiana. And what's your question for Al? Um, who's the one hitter that you hated to see come into the batter's box? All right, it, it wasn't the big guy. The bigger you were, the more extension you got the better I was. I was a guy that cut a lot of righties in. So the home run guys, the McGuire's and the Sosa's and the Bonds, like, I like them. Mark McLemore, although Rafael Palmero was a pain in the neck, Tony Gwynn would hit the ball hard. The scout report against Tony Gwynn was make sure the two guys in front of him weren't on base, and Tony was going to hit the ball hard somewhere. He generally wasn't a home run hitter, and he wasn't very fast. That was how, you, how I approached him. I think Mark McLemore, his numbers are off the chart. Utility, kind of middle infield guy, you know, nice player, played a long time. He peppered me. He was a pain in the neck. The smaller, <laughs> I, we were talking on our show uh, yesterday about that. It was John Smoltz going to Hall of Fame, Pedro. And we were talking about, you know, certain lineups and who gives you more trouble. And it's the pesky guy, the Altuves or, or uh, Placido Plancos and, you know, those type of hitters. Craig Biggio was yeah. a pain in the neck. You know, just fight you, put the ball in play. That's why the strikeout thing to me, it, it drives me nuts. Unless you truly have the ability to hit 30 to 40 plus home runs and 
therefore then okay I see why you don't compensate and shorten up your swing on two strikes but if you don't have that ability put the ball in play so much can happen and it's a nuisance right ball ground ball base hit yeah yeah did I answer right. it? Yeah, that's yeah, good. Uh, I, little guys. I really appreciate that answer because uh, we work with McLemore all the time, so I'll be able to. I'll be oh my! Yeah. I'll call you a little guy and pesky. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't say that. <laughs> it's all, it's yeah, that's right. Mac does this. <laughs> Mac's a great good guy. guy, and that's awesome. He's totally a great guy. Well, folks, uh, I hope you enjoyed it. That's uh, a very special edition. And folks that are here, how about a big round of applause for Al Leiter? Thank you. Such a great guy, and that wraps up another session of the Edward Jones Chatting Cage. We'll see you next time.